All right. Well, good morning. Happy Easter. <clears throat> Turn towards your neighbor this morning. Tell him happy Easter. So, the words that are spoken for centuries on this day. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Okay, that was, that was poor. <clears throat> it's Easter, y'all. And you're acting like you're in church, but you're not the church. This day defines us. Everything Christian hinges upon this day. So when someone says Christ is risen, the appropriate response is, He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. So let's try that. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. This is it. This is what it's all about. This is the main event Easter morning, a day that's so complex, so mysterious, and yet a day that's so simple. The 2,000 years before any mistake I ever made, before any sin I ever committed, before any hurt I ever endured, before, before any of it, it was all spilled out in drops of blood as Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was carried up a hill by another on the hard splintered wood on the road to Calvary, it was all nailed to the cross. And all that remains this day is love. Love before any of my shame ever existed. Forgiveness before I ever messed up. Restoration before I was ever broken. Progress isn't always pretty and restoration isn't always easy. Sometimes it takes a couple nails and a hammer to get there. But today is Easter. Restoration has come. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Y'all are going to have to work on this if I'm going to preach. Come on. Easter, Easter is the ultimate story of restoration. Restoration is, we, we know what restoration is. Restoration is the act of taking something that seems broken, worn out, seemingly useless, and returning it to its original, unimpaired, or even better condition. Easter is the day that God restores everything through his love. Taking what we think was broken, worn out, seemingly useless, and restoring it all. It's a day unlike any other day because it's the day that changes everything. And so the story starts this way. While it was still dark. It's the same way that the very first story ever began. Genesis 1 begins, and darkness covered the surface, and the Spirit of God was hovering. Jesus takes us back to the very beginning, as if to say, this wasn't just a one-time thing. This is an eternity thing. Back to the garden, and now back in the garden while it's still dark. Let me ask you this morning, where is it still dark in your life? Where's that place in your life where you need God to speak into you? Let there be light. Let there be resurrection this day. And in the garden, there was a woman named Mary. 
she comes to the tomb, not expecting to find what she found there. She was expecting to find a body because it was assumed that Jesus's body would do what every body did before his, lay down and never get back up. And so Mary's in despair, thinking that what had happened to Jesus is the same thing that happens to everybody else, but she doesn't find a body. He's not there. Now Mary isn't thinking about resurrection. Nobody was expecting resurrection. There was nobody standing outside the tomb, counting down from ten, waiting for Jesus to pop out and yell surprise. Instead... Mary runs into a couple of angels. And you know that these angels are male angels because when they see Mary crying, they ask her, woman, why are you crying? Ain't no female angels would have dared ask a crying woman that. (laughs) And so the angels aren't much help to her. And so she runs and she runs into the gardener with tears still streaming down her cheeks And the gardener looks at her and says, Mary. Mary. And when her name is called, she knows that this is not the gardener. Her despair is disrupted by a familiar voice who calls her by name Mary. And I love this. Can't you just imagine Mary? In her old age, telling the younger disciples that have gathered around her this story. I mean, this woman was the first eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus. And so I imagine her telling the story time and time again, leaning in at this very moment when she gets there and says, and I thought it was the gardener. And everybody breaks out laughing. And I think it's so fitting that Easter falls on April Fool's uh, this year. And I'm, I'm going to spare you all of the bad pastor jokes and the bad dad jokes that I do have prepared. Um, but I do want to say this one thing, because it's true this day. That on this day, Resurrection Day, Jesus gets the last laugh over the grave that nobody was expecting this. Not even death itself could see this coming. We all love a good comeback story. We all love a good before and after story. And this, this is it. But you may ask, do you really believe all this stuff? I mean, do you, do you really believe that Jesus died on a cross and rose from the grave three days later? Do you really believe that Mary went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled away? Do you really believe that the worst thing is never the last thing? Do you really believe that God's love has the power to restore all things? Well, 47 days ago, we stood out on the streets of downtown Dunedin during Mardi Gras, and we asked the community a question. We asked them, what would you like to see restored? And with chalk, they wrote down hope, peace, love, my family, a friendship, respect. And then the next day, now 46 days ago, 
We celebrated the beginning of this season called Lent with a service of Ash Wednesday. It happened to fall on Valentine's Day, a day when 17 students were shot and killed at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. So, do I really believe all of this? That when I look at the brokenness of this world, when I look at the brokenness within my own life and the darkness that is still there, I say that I not only believe it, but I am counting on it. That I need, you need, and this whole world needs to be disrupted once again by the restoring love of God. So that we may see a day, one day, where there are no more tears, there is no more crying, and there is no more pain. We may know the story. We may know that resurrection has happened, but do we know just what it means? And so Ephesians chapter 2 says this. says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive. It's already happened. It's already been done. We've already been made alive with Christ. Even when you were dead in your transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Or another translation might say, we are God's masterpiece. Somebody say masterpiece. Masterpiece. For we are God's handiwork. We are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, over the past six weeks, we've taken these pieces of pottery. And we wrote down on one side an area of brokenness that each of us is dealing with. Some of you wrote down debt and addiction broken relationship, a broken past. And slowly over time, we've been painting over all of that. And we've turned it into something beautiful. We've turned it into a mosaic of the empty tomb because we believe that there is new life. We believe that there is resurrection Because nothing that was ever written down on these clay pieces was going to bring about anything other than more sorrow, more pain, more loss. But here's what we believe. We believe that it is in God's nature to build something beautiful out of broken pieces. That God doesn't waste anything. God doesn't give up. God restores. The pieces may not look as they once did. Certainly not. Just as our lives won't look the same if we hand them over to God. But here's a question. Is that when life breaks and all the pieces seem to shatter on the floor, we can either believe that all is wasted 
that there's no use picking them up, that there's no use trying to restore it, or we can look at what Jesus has already done for us and lean into the hope that he offers us this day. Here's what it comes down to. Come on, let's get honest. That if you believe that this world really is just a cold, hard, dead place, then the moments that you do find joy and hope, are they just momentary blips? Are are they just momentary interruptions? Do we believe that when the tomb was closed, that it was sealed for good? And if that is the case... If Good Friday still has the final word, if the tomb is still closed, if that's the case, then despair really is the only reasonable response to this life. And you know what despair is. Despair is thinking that tomorrow will be no different from today. That these clay pieces will still be there, scattered on the floor, trampled underfoot. Despair is thinking that the broken pieces of our lives will define us for the rest of our days. Despair is standing outside of the tomb weeping, not because you think a miracle has happened, but because you think that the worst thing wasn't in fact the worst thing, that now somebody has come and robbed the grave. What despair needs is a disruption. Somebody say disrupt. Come on, you got to say it louder. Somebody say disrupt. Okay, what despair needs is somebody to come along and say no. The cross does not have the last word. The worst thing was not the final thing. That in fact, the empty tomb has been robbed. But it's been robbed of its power. It's been robbed of its victory. It's been robbed of its hold. It's been robbed of its stench. It's been robbed of its despair. The despair has disrupted and interrupted our lives with grace. And Jesus invites us this day to believe in resurrection again. Because God, God doesn't waste anything in making a masterpiece out of our lives. In our hands, we don't have the skills. We don't have the right tools. In our hands, we're still stuck. But the good news is that it's not about us. It's not about our works. It's not about what we can do. It's about what God has already done. It's about grace. Because in God's hands, God can take what seems broken, like a betrayal, a cross, death, denial, a grave, and God can restore it to build something beautiful out of it. God has the skills, the tools to restore the things that seem most broken in this world, even though the pieces that God has to work with may seem inadequate. That if the cross speaks of defeat, then the empty tomb speaks of victory. If the cross speaks of death, then the empty tomb cries of life. If the cross speaks of judgment, then the empty tomb cries of grace. If there was death on Good Friday, there is resurrection and new life on Sunday. God forces good and beauty out of brokenness. Because God's love builds. 
God's love makes new. God's love restores. God's love never ends. That just when we think that things are lost, gone, broken, destroyed, Jesus says, hold on a minute. Because things are just getting started. Resurrection is coming, and it has come, because Christ is risen. He is risen. I said Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Come on, if you're alive this Resurrection Sunday, somebody say, raise me up. If you need new life this Resurrection Sunday, somebody say, raise me up. Resurrection is believing in spite of what we think that we already know. Resurrection is disruption to our despair. Resurrection is that even if something seemed dead, was dead, and is dead, it doesn't have to stay dead. That the nails that held Jesus to the cross on Friday are gone by Sunday. That the stone that was rolled over the tomb to seal the deal has been rolled away. That the things that held him down do not have to keep him down. So this morning, let me tell you, whatever has got you down, Jesus can raise you up. Whatever pit you've fallen into, Jesus can raise you up. Whatever fear has held you down, Jesus can raise you up. Whatever damage has happened, Jesus can restore. No matter how dark or how long the night has been, Jesus can restore. Resurrection can happen because God can, will, and already has restored. Christ is risen He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let me pray. God, this Resurrection Sunday, we give you the thanks, the glory, the praise for what you have done for us. Lord, even if we're not even aware of it, even if we've been blind to see you moving, you offer us grace upon grace, and it doesn't depend on us. You've already done it. You've robbed the grave of its power. You've restored it all. You've taken it to the cross for us and offered us forgiveness. And so, Lord, this morning, this good day, this resurrection Sunday, Lord, we simply, we need the faith to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, for what you will do. Thank you, Jesus, for that promise of new life, a day where there will be no more pain, no more crying, no more tears. Bless us this day. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. And so we felt like it was appropriate on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, to remember what this was all about. That God has offered us grace upon grace. And it's all because, as he told his disciples and he told his friends, just a couple days before he went to the cross, he said, this is what it all means. This is what my life means. This is what's coming. This is just a foretaste of the kingdom of heaven. And so he sat with his friends And on that night, he took bread. And he gave thanks to God. And he blessed the bread, and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, 
and eat, because this is my body, which is broken for you. And then after the supper was over, he took the cup, and he gave thanks to you, O God, and he blessed it. And he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and drink from this cup. Do this in remembrance of me, for this is my blood that has been poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is my covenant, a new promise that I'm making to you. I always give you grace. I will always give you forgiveness. I will always restore all things. So pray with me. Holy Spirit, Lord, you're here. We ask now that you come and fill our lives with your presence. You fill our lives with your grace. You fill our lives with, our forgive, with your forgiveness. Be with us, Lord. May your presence be on these gifts of bread and the cup, that they may be for us the body and blood of Jesus, so that we may have the faith to walk in newness of life. We may have the faith to put on Christ that all who see us may see Jesus, redeemed by his blood. We pray all of this in his powerful name. Amen.